0: All right, everybody. Thanks so much for stopping by another live episode of Real Estate Titans. I'm your host, Greg Fowler, traveling throughout the marketplace, interviewing the top real estate professionals in our field, essentially gathering insight, inspiration, really drives and motivates these top producers above and beyond everybody else in what I'd like to consider a real estate titan. Our very special guest and feature titan for today, Matt Lee. Matt, I'm so excited, absolutely honored to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited too. Yeah, this is great. And just so everybody else, if you didn't see the pre-announcement, so we're both here in Colorado. Uh, we were supposed to get together face-to-face um, in your beautiful office downtown in Denver. Um, the weather and mother nature was not having that today. So uh, we're doing this via Zoom, but um, you know, bringing the content, the show must go on. So Matt, again, thanks so much for uh, taking the time today.
1: Yep, absolutely, man. The power of uh, technology, but Also the power of mother nature. So mother (laughs) nature (laughs) won. That's right.
0: Right. One point mother nature. Uh, so let's just go into, um, I I really just want to really share your story, tools, tactics, thought processes from, from you, such a thought leader and industry, um, you know, uh, maverick, if you will, really growing and scaling business in the real estate world. Um, so I just want to dive into the series of questions, Matt, if you're all right
1: with that. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever you want to talk about
0: cool. So first things first, let's just tell everybody, I guess, a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. So I uh, grew up here in Colorado, down in Colorado Springs um, and grew up around the real estate industry. Um, My family and extended family have a commercial real estate brokerage firm down there uh, and went to college in Fort Collins where I met my wife and we live in Arvada. Um, Actually went to college to be an architect because I wanted to design and build golf courses. Um, But when I graduated college and Oh wait, nobody was really designing and building golf courses as the economy was kind of going the opposite direction. Um, Yeah, so did was an architect for about a year and a half and just didn't really like working for somebody else. And funny story about that was I had gotten, uh, it was literally like out of a movie where we walked into our, we had like one of these big brand new, you know, open area office spaces in downtown Denver and uh, phones, phones started ringing at people's desks and they would get called into a conference room. And then while they were gone, the IT guy would come take their computer away and then they would come out like sometimes crying like 10 minutes later and then they would basically have a box. They'd pack up all their stuff and they'd get escorted out of the building. And like starting at like one o'clock in the afternoon, this just started happening
0: all for right. an
1: office of like 150 people. And finally, the, my phone rings at my desk and it's the president of the company. And he's like, hey, uh, Patrick or Matt, this is Patrick. And I was like, is it my turn now? <laughs> <laughs> And totally caught him off guard. And I could tell he was trying to be like, you know, the keep the HR politically correct. He's like, um, could you please come to the conference room and uh, we have to have a meeting with you. And I was like, all right. So I go down there, I get laid off. Um, wow. And so then after about two weeks, I get a phone call from my, for, from my boss at that office. And he goes, Hey, you know, we've laid off everybody that knows how to use a computer and would you mind coming back? Because we just won this new project at the University of Colorado, and we need someone to do the architectural like CAD for it. And you know, I was newly married, had a, my first house that we had bought, had brought our first brand new car ever in our lives. Oh. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to do this anymore, but I need, a, I need an income. So I went back, and I showed up there on Monday, and they meet me at the front, and they go, well, actually, uh, we've um, laid off the receptionist. So we're going to have you do architecture work, but would you mind sitting at the front desk and manning the, uh, the reception table too? And, and of course I'm not, and, and I, and I'm not above anything. Like it, it didn't, I don't mind being receptionist, but it was just, the whole thing was just so like, this is, this is awesome. You know? right, right. I really see how you, you know, the value you see in me. So after about a week, it turned into Matt, this is how you make the coffee and this is where you go get the mail, you know, and by the way, how's that architecture project coming? So, I did that for like another four months, but I realized at that point that um, I learned two valuable lessons. One was uh, never settle for what you really want to do in your life. And the second thing is I didn't want, for me personally, I didn't want my family's financial income to be dependent upon somebody else's business decisions. Wow! And the main reason that they were laying everybody off is because they had grown too quickly for the amount of revenue they had coming in. Okay. And so they had, they, and they, and the architecture industry specifically is very, very heavily dependent on the economy. Hmm. So when the economy took a skid, it, it, that, that's like a leading indicator because it dies off before construction dies off. Because if you're not, you can't build something before you design it. Right. So, I mean, before the construction industry had really slowed to a halt, the architecture design industry slowed to a halt like 24 months before that, because that's hmm. how long it takes to get something built. And they didn't see the writing on the wall, so they went out and built this new multi-million dollar building right, at, right in downtown Denver. And that's what basically made them you know, have to lay everybody off because they couldn't afford wow. the overhead. Hmm. And so I reached out to uh, Keller Williams just on a Craigslist ad and went and met with them. And they're like, yeah, this is how real estate works. And you can make this amount of money and do all these things. And I'm like, cool. Like, what do you pay me? And they're like, Nothing. Yeah, there's the catch. (laughs) And I go, Oh, well, then I'm gonna go back and be an architect and really, you know, try to figure this out. So but Mm -hmm. took about four more months um before I really kind of had gotten my wife on board and really done some more research about like what the potential income could be, what the work was to the extent that I understood it at that point. And then I got my license in twenty eight days. Um, Mm -hmm. just would go home and study and cram after work in August of 2009 became licensed at, uh, joined Keller Williams and Golden Mm -hmm. and, uh, didn't sell anything until February of 2010. And then in 2010, I was the rookie of the year for Keller Williams in Colorado, um, and sold 26 houses and then uh, never really looked back. And I sold Mm -hmm. real estate full time through about the beginning of 2014 and then got the opportunity. Uh, and I was, I was closing about 50 to 60 deals a year um, working uh, as a part of this team, real estate team there with a guy who was a really influential mentor for me when I first got in the business. Hmm. Um, And it got to the point where I kind of outgrown that opportunity. And also at that point in my career kind of had gotten to a point where I sort of felt like I had the understanding of what real estate sales was. And I was kind of looking to take my career further, but not necessarily at that point, go build a massive mega real estate team. Okay. And so got the opportunity to get into um, running Keller Williams Market Center here in mm-hmm. Littleton and uh, got into franchise ownership and then uh, ran the office here in Littleton as a team leader for about three and a half years. And um, then in, let's see, it would have been July of 2016, got the opportunity to... Uh, or twenty July of 2017, got the opportunity to launch a Keller Williams franchise back in Colorado Springs, wow. which I always wanted to bring KW another KW office to the Springs because there's two, at the time there was two very successful offices in town that had been there forever, uh, kind of icons in the industry down there sure. as far as brokerage firms go, and they're very successful. Um, and so I kind of wanted to, but I felt like there was also a lot of untapped opportunity there. Agreed. So, um, so I was given the opportunity to take that and run with it. And, uh, opened up four months later and we're, we've been, uh, just celebrated our second year anniversary down in the Springs as a brokerage firm. And in October of this year, so last month we were the third highest uh, grossing brokerage firm in sales volume in the market. So, wow. yeah, so, so nice. that, that, that office is growing really well with some really, really successful people and the office in Littleton here is doing really well as well. So that's, and then I, and so stepping down from the team leader role about a year ago, year and a half ago now, I kind of have relaunched my sales business. So, um, okay. yeah, so 2020, 2020 is going to be a kind of a, a, a year to focus more on that as well. So,
0: I love it. Yeah. And Matt, that, that's a, a beautiful track as far as letting everybody know kind of where you come from, what was the thought process as you were going through and growing in your career. Yeah obviously making the, the huge impact that you've made thus far and continue to make in the industry, um, not just in Colorado, but you know, across the board. Uh, so I, I do wanna chat just a little bit um, about Keller Williams and, and, and opportunities that way before we dive a little bit deeper into you. Uh, sure. You have an amazing video that's out there uh, you know, that really kind of explains the ins and outs of really what Keller Williams has to offer. and um, I think you just explain it so simplistically, but then also really diving deep, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, so would you mind talking a little bit about that uh, opportunity in in Denver Springs, Littleton, that sort of thing, but also kW?
1: Yeah, so you know I, you know you can go to youtube and and just find my name on there and you can find the video. Um, and basically, the reason that I created that opportunity video is that to me is that that is the differentiating factor between our brokerage firm and the opportunities that we provide versus every other model that's out there. because every other real estate company, the value proposition is how you know what portion of the commission do you keep versus what portion of the commission do I keep as a real estate agent, and what ancillary services and support some level of technology do you provide mm-hmm. to me as an agent. But at the end of the day, our value is helping you on some level continue to be a real estate agent, and there's nothing wrong with being a real estate agent in and of itself. If that's all you want to do, then go be the best one you can be. Keller Williams, though, for those that are looking for opportunities to build a career within the real estate space, that's what that video talks about is, is the various opportunities. of, And they're all revenue streams, whether you get paid coaching, tr- uh, training as an investor or owner of Keller Williams franchises, building a real estate team, uh, expanding your real estate business VR expansion model to different markets, um, getting involved in the corporate Um, side of Keller Williams working down in Austin, Texas on the various different divisions of Keller Williams there, or Hmm. uh, there's so many different things. And obviously the leadership positions within a particular market center as well. So Hmm. that's been, that's been what has kept me at this company uh, above and beyond just the value of the, of that it provides to a real estate agent is the ability to continue to expand my career in the real estate space without only having to rely on real estate sales as my only income stream.
0: I I think that's beautiful. And again, you dive deep into that and breaking that whole thing down. So um, I'll save everybody the trouble of YouTubing it. I'm going to have it in the uh, comments down below. I'll have a link so you can watch that immediately, but uh, obviously you can always reach out to Matt um, directly. Hopefully I'm not throwing you under the bus there, Matt, but um, Mm -hmm. any questions, any thought process to growing and scaling your business, but then for Keller Williams and opportunities there, please reach out to Matt. I'll have all of his uh, contact information as well down there too. Uh, But Matt, I do want to shift gears on this. And I think that diving deeper into who you are as a person, a professional is really important for everybody out there um, really just to understand you a little better. So the next question ends up being what's your why, what really drives you, motivates you, gets you excited every day out of bed to do what you do to the level that you do it at.
1: Yeah. And for me, that has changed over time. Uh, and what I, and, and I've always, you know, I've been in numerous courses and tr- in classes where they talk about, you know, what is your why? And, and for me, everything that I've ever thought that it was always has another level above that, which is what I think it really is. And ultimately, and what I've come come to realize is my ultimate why is freedom. Wow. And what I mean by that is I want the freedom both with my time and financially to say yes to opportunities and things that I find enjoyment in. So if you call me up and say, Hey Matt, I've got this new business opportunity and you know, to, to be an investor in it, I need X amount of dollars. Is something you would ever consider. And I, I want the freedom to be able to not have the money be a barrier of my ability to take advantage of opportunities. I want my, I want time to not be a barrier. I want to be able to say, yes, I would like to do that. Um, because I have the time to do that because there's balance in my life and there's margin in my life. I want the freedom to say no to things. Hey, Matt, I really need you to do this. You know, I have other, (laughs) I don't want it. Or more importantly, like, Hey, listen, I've got my son's soccer game tonight at six and that's what takes precedent. You don't own my time, you know? Um, And I want the freedom to be completely present uh, and I want the freedom to to be completely unplugged. And so every, everything I've ever, I'm like, yeah, my, my big why is family. Well, it is, but that's really, I want the freedom to be able to be present with my family. Right. I want the freedom to financially be able to provide for my family and those that I care about and, and um, you know, organizations and charities that I care about and missions that I care about. And so that to me like is what it is. And, And what drives me in that is, is money, you know, um, uh, Napoleon Hill in *Think and Grow Rich* says that money is good for the is you know is good for the good that it can do, and it and it really just exacerbates the person you already are. Mm-hmm. So if if you're a jerk, money makes you a bigger jerk. Agreed. And, it, and if and if you're a benevolent individual, money uh, gives you the ability to have a serious amount of impact, right? Mm-hmm. Like well, Bill so. Gates and the wealth that he's created has been able to eradicate smallpox from the planet of Earth for the first time in human history, right? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? That actually takes a lot of money to do that. Right. You know, you can't, you can't wish that into existence. You actually have to pay for research and advancements in food and public health and things like that to get those things to go away. And so that's where, when I think about working hard, it's, it's in, in, in wanting to be successful. It's because of the byproduct of what that wealth can do Mm -hmm. for me and the people that I, and things I care about, you know?
0: But to me, Matt, that makes perfect sense. And starting from the very beginning, which is freedom, right? And so many facets that you've broken down through that freedom, I think is a beautiful representation of yourself and why you do what you do for all the people that are around you. um, I I think that that's one of the best whys that I've heard in a while when it comes down to it, that freedom portion. And, you know, when you're talking about uh, Bill Gates and and different uh, entrepreneurs and multimillionaires and billionaires that are out there, and there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of good, the more you make, the more you can give. And and I I like that mentality and it's not about the money, but the money is the byproduct of doing what you do, how you do it, you know, consistently to that highest level. Um, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I want it, it, uh, I've never wanted to apologize for wanting to be successful and I, and I don't, and I don't subscribe to the idea that, you know, you should just be okay with being okay. And, uh, and, and that's, works for some people. And I also think some people use it as a, um, you know, sort of a justification for just existing, right? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's, they rationalize it that way. Well, I don't deserve this or who am I to want whatever. Right. And so most of the really, really, really wealthy people that I know and interact with are actually really good human beings that make a lot of impact in the world. And a lot of them do it for the most part in a way that nobody would ever know, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, I think the problem is like anything it's usually it's the extremes that get noticed. Right. Right. Uh, you know, you notice mother Teresa, but you also notice the, the person driving around in their bright yellow, you know, sports car flashing the fact that they make a lot of money and people sure. are like, well, if that's what it looks like when you're rich, I don't want to be that kind of person. Right. Or if that's what I have to give up to be not or to give away, then I don't want to do that either. You know, most people exist in the middle. And so mm. I think, you know, that's really what it is about for me is is wanting. you know my dad always told me and this is like one of the things he's always is has stuck with me is you have to work hard at for a certain period of time in your life so that you don't have to work hard your entire life Mm -hmm. and I think that's especially you know I'm 35 and you know I'm like kind of on the tail end of the millennial generation and I have a lot Mm -hmm. of friends and people that are younger than me and I think that's the biggest struggle that are that that people from, you know, probably, you know, 15 years old to 35 years old in our country face right now is an entitlement issue, right? It's not, you know, for for most people in the Western world, it's not, am I going to college? It's where am I going to college? Mm -hmm. And then if I'm going to college now, I have this assumption from society that now I have to be something, right? And then when I'm something, it's not what I thought it would be. I mean, that was me as an architect. I I went to Mm -hmm. college for five years, got this really hard degree as an architect, graduated and hated it and had a lot of like self doubt like well now what am i supposed to do i can't go mm-hmm. back to school and start that whole process over and what i realized though was i found something i was passionate about most of the time the mm-hmm. real estate industry sure you know and and there are days that are really hard and there there are times and things in business that are extremely challenging in fact this has been one of the most challenging years of my career by wow. far and yet uh, that I, I keep going back to that thing that like hey you know what First of all, stay the course, and if you stay the course doing this for a period of time, uh, you shouldn't have to work this hard forever right and I think that's the problem is um, is, is is people's you know level of tolerance for that
0: matt they, these are these are huge takeaways and wise words from so many people that you've already mm-hmm. mentioned already um, I, I think this is a great segue into uh, one of the crowd-pleasers of this particular series, it's really looking at what the Titans are doing or have done to grow and scale their lives, scale their businesses. Uh, so if you could look back at your career thus far, Matt, and pick or choose one or two things you might have added to your business that took it from one level to the next, what's that look like for you?
1: So, uh, you know, I know you interview a lot of, like, really successful real estate agents, and so I, I would assume some of the answers are, like, very specific I'm like, hey, it was this thing or whatever. For me, I can think of when I was thinking about this, I can think of two things. Okay. the The first are the people. Uh, my My career trajectory took a hockey stick, you know, slow but then extremely fast curve mm-hmm. when I surrounded myself with people who wanted the best for me, Love and it. it wasn't all about them. And, and so the question that I think people need to be asking themselves are, are, am I surrounded with those kind of people? And the second thing is an analogy that I was shown And I'm going to kind of draw it up here real quick. Oh yeah. Great. Is, is uh, Gary Keller talks about this idea that uh, if this circle represents everything that you wanted, for example, if you were to, if you were to come work in my organization, I should be at a level with you that I know everything that you want to get out of, your life and it exists in that circle, right? So that means that what? That my world then has to be infinitely bigger than that or mm. the or the vision for what I want to create together with you has to be infinitely bigger than what you want. Because if it's not, then we have misalignment and we have tension. So I if, if I wanted to go build a real estate team and, and I said, hey, you should come work with me. And I said, what, do you, what are your income goals? He said, well, I really would like to make $150,000 next year selling real estate. And I go, cool. Well, I want to make only you know, $200,000 next year selling real estate, or that's all that I know how to do. Mm-hmm. That doesn't add up to you know the amount of money we both need to make. Right. And so when people are considering opportunities, or if there's frustration or tension in their current environment or their current role, it's usually I find because there's too much of a similarity between what the vision of the organization is Hmm. or the lid of the organization and what the talent has.
0: Interesting. I love
1: that. And it can also go the opposite way though. If you have a really big vision and you hire really small talents, then they're never going to be able to even think or see the way that you see things going. I see. You know. So there's
0: that so that there's that happy medium inside there where it's not too big, it's not too small. I think it's just right for everybody who's involved in that organization. But is that a tricky thing for you to as a as a producer to find? Does that make sense? Well, I
1: think, yes, but it comes down to, well, I think you have to turn over a lot of rocks to find those people. But I think you have to be, you have to get extremely clear with what you want first, Mm -hmm. be able to articulate that to somebody. And then you have to be able to take the time, be willing to take the time to take them through a valid interview process, which we have called the KPA, Keller Personality Assessment Career Visioning. And it basically is sometimes painstakingly digs into somebody before you would get into a business with them so that you know what they want. You've expressed what you want and been able to identify if there's a match or not. Wow.
0: That's,
1: that's the thing is, you know, in business, whether it's running a real estate team or a coffee shop, you know, people fall into, well, you know, where'd you go find that person? Well, it's my sister's best friend. Oh, cool. Are they like qualified for the position? Well, you know, they're doing it. Okay. (laughs) You know, was that, is that the best person for that Uh, position or just the person who was the best in the moment to make it easiest to hire for that position? And most people aren't willing to do the work to find the right person for the position. Mm -hmm. And for me, I learned that, like I said, the first, the the, the first part of the question was by surrounding myself with people that thought bigger than I did. I have in the businesses that I'm in, I surround myself with people who are wanting big lives so that everything Mm -hmm. that I want, they know that I want. And they know why I want it and they help me go get it because what they want, it doesn't affect what they want. It only helps them get what they want, right?
0: Yeah, and I love that, that analogy and breakdown too because when you're surrounding yourself with those core groups of people, it's contagious. You are guilty by association, positive or negative. But I think that those professionals who have, you know, exuded a certain amount of success and they've gone through the process, they've hopefully been where you want to go already, Mm-hmm. And have learned through that process to help you go through that faster and better, hopefully, um, as they're growing themselves and you're growing together, which is how it should be, in in my opinion. No one does it alone.
1: No, exactly. I was talking to somebody earlier this morning, and uh, they were we were on a conference call, and he is in uh, Gary Keller's top 100 mastermind. And with basically with the top 100 teams or agents in the company out of 160 plus thousand agents across the country. Wow. Right. And so and, and the question was asked, how many of the people in the top 100 um, are like just powerful top rainmaker and then, you know, agents below? And he said, mm-hmm. for ev- he said, in my experience, everybody that I've interacted with, there may be a, you know, uh, Greg at the top—it's Greg's team. But for every single one of those, there is a CEO or a CFO type individual who is equally invested in the growth and ownership of that business, even if they don't even mm. own the business on paper. Wow! Nobody succeeds alone, right? And so right. that's the thing. I mean, you know, you want to you want to be surrounding yourself with empire builders wow. because you have a li- everybody has a natural lid of what they're able to do on their own. In anything, if I want to go run a marathon, there's only so much training I can ever do to run a marathon. I will, you know, right. but that, but you know, if I wanted to go run it faster, I go get on a relay team and we, we increase our time or decrease our time. Right. Sure. And so it's people for the most part though, get to that ceiling of achievement and they're not willing to think any differently to break through it. Hmm. They're like, well, I guess I'm just going to be this, you know, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've sold, I've sold 7 million in real estate for the last seven years of my life. Mm. And I, that's just what it is, you wow. know? And the most, what I've found to be true too, is most of the people mm. that I know that have built successful real estate businesses, like 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 million in volume have done that actually really quick Wow! because they okay. built it with the right foundation. I, I, I haven't experienced where it's like, yeah, I built an a $85 million real estate business and I've been in business for 35 years and every single year I increased it by 4 million in volume. It's like, I did, I did 6 million on my own and I was a good, successful individual agent. And then I just realized I don't want to work that hard. So I went out and hired somebody and I screwed it up really bad. And then I learned and I hired somebody better. And then we did 10 million. And then I was like, Hey, maybe I can take this system and implement it and document it. And then I went and hired that person. And then next thing I know, three years later, I'm doing 50 million. And then the next year I'm doing 90 million because it just, it becomes a scalable business. Love it. And that, this, this to me, like, I, I love selling real estate. I'm a managing broker in my Littleton office. I I teach real estate contracts. I am a real estate transaction, real estate agent by default. Sure. And I love it. But this is what I really love talking about more is, is, is business development and helping (laughs) people think differently to go do whatever it is they want to do, you know?
0: Well, Matt, I, I mean, hopefully everybody can see and or hear the passion that's coming out of you. I mean, it's like lighting a fire and just letting you go. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see. And obviously your thought process is to the highest of levels. And, and as you had mentioned, empire builder status, right? Well, I mean, you look at it in that direction and anybody who's around you, is in positive guilty by association. So I, I love that. And I can't, I can't thank you enough for just sharing the, the little bits of information that you already have amongst so much knowledge basis that's already out there for not just being a top producer, but really growing and scaling and treating it like a business. Yep. So, I mean, I, I can't thank you enough. And I know the audience is uh, really enjoying this. So pause it, rewind it, take notes, uh, reach out to Matt. I mean, I can't, can't stress that enough. Uh, but Matt, I do want to shift gears into this particular um, series. And when it comes down to it, this is the tricky part of the interview. It's the challenge question. Yeah. So um, no stranger to challenges and struggles. I mean, as you know, the, the more successful you get, the more you know, failure is a part of that and attached to it. And it's okay. But um, I'm a firm believer that we all deal challenges, whether it's in the past, now or in the future, no one's exempt. But what really matters to me is what you take away from, what you learn and what you can grow from uh through those tough times, whether they're personal or professional. So uh Matt, if you're comfortable sharing a challenge personally, professionally that you went through in your life that you overcame, you came stronger because of it, what's that look like for you?
1: Yeah, I think for me, um it's something like by the grace of God, I'm not the same person I was. 10 years, even 10 years ago, or even three years ago, right? And I think uh, one of the things that I like, like I said earlier, this has been one of the most challenging uh, years of my career because I just took on a lot of financial responsibility. um, And we're building out a new office building in Cardinal Springs. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I have learned about myself throughout that process is I've all I've learned a couple things. One, I've learned what my tolerance for um, risk is. Uh, okay. And I think for a while this year, I was probably over that threshold. And uh, I mean, I've, I've never, I've never had anxiety in my entire life. Hmm. I've never like, like literally I'm, I'm like always like optimistic to a fault, sure. you know, uh, not like stick my head in the sand, whatever. Mm. It's going to be okay. But like very, just like, yeah, I, you know, I bet on myself, whatever. But I, there was a series of point in time this year where I was like, I don't, if this doesn't all work out, like, I don't know what to do. Wow. You know, Okay. And it never, it, and it may never even have even been at that point, but just the way that I was analyzing it from what I would, the world of, from what I was living in and sitting in, that's the way that it felt. to me. Okay. And so uh, I have really learned the power of, um, of, of just like being vulnerable in that. Cause I'm also, I, I am a high I personality. If you're familiar with the disc personality, like I, I, I am an, I lead with influence to the point of, Like I, I, my, my desire to be liked by people, um, is higher sometimes than my desire to succeed. And so therefore I will, I will I, if I psychoanalyze myself, I will succeed at things that I don't even care about just because I don't want to be seen as a failure because I want you to like me at my core value. Right. Hmm. And so what that also leads to though, is you don't really open yourself up to most people because you want to look like you always have it all together. Sure. You know, and I, uh, there was a point where the, about in, in April of this year, I went over to my, in my uh, mother and father-in-law's house. And I was just mm-hmm. sitting there. And my mother-in-law handed me a glass of wine. This is like five. o'clock, And I just had a horrible day um, dealing with some stuff. And I, and I was just sitting there. She's like, hey, how's it going? I just started crying. <laughs> just like ah, out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just, I had like finally for the first time realized like I actually can't do this all. You know, sure. and not that my mother in law could solve that problem for me, right? But, but, but it was just it made, I was like finally like aware of like the vulnerability. And I, and I've learned through that that, um, you know, I don't have to bear the weight of all of this on my own. And right. nobody expects me to, and nobody cares. So it's like you're sitting there thinking you have to keep it all together all the time. You don't really. And, and I also, I've also learned the power of perspective. My mentor, when I first got into business, I used to call him and like, I'd blow his phone up at like 10, 15 at night. And I was like, hey, uh, you know, how do, I, how do I draft this inspection objection? And, and what about this? And you know, what about this, that? And he's like, he would always call me be like, Matt, you are not a brain surgeon. Wow. No one is going to die on your operating table tonight if you don't get this correct. It's just real estate and it's just money. Yeah. And if you screw it up and you didn't actually try to screw somebody over and you made an honest mistake, that's why you have errors and emissions insurance there you and go and if that doesn't cover it guess what we write a check hmm. and the you know it's just money and so i think that 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 perspective has been huge for me because i've i've really this overcome a lot of challenges this year and have kind of arrived at a place of like you know what i'm going to go do what i think is the right thing to do in every situation to the best of my ability and then whatever happens happens Wow. And whatever get and whatever people do to affect that negatively, I can't control that. All I can control is the way that I respond. And that's something hmm. that I think is key in leadership, that you have to understand the uh, the, the, the difference between reacting and responding. Hmm. Leaders respond. people react. and And so, if you come at me with something, because that's just where you think you're, you're in the right or whatever. And it affects me negatively, I get to choose to react to that, or I get to choose to take a step back and respond to that. And mm-hmm. so that's been something that I've, the challenge I've overcome this year is just a lot of really hard stuff and had had a lot of sort of like personal growth in that, I think, you know.
0: Well, and you said it right there perfectly to me is, is all of those things that you're talking about and really pushing yourself and, and, and maxing out your comfort zone and then pass it, if you will, uh, you know, it's, it's making you who you are and it's bringing you up to another spot. And this won't be the last time, Matt, you know, totally. this. you're just going to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Um, you know, there, there's a part of that nerves. And I think that if it's not making you think a little differently or squirm a little bit, then I don't think you're really pushing yourself to those highest of highs. And, and every entrepreneur, every top producer in any business feels that pain, feels that, um, that anxiety. And I think that it's just a part of learning to grow in the change and understand that's just a part of it. And, and, and as you have, and as you'll continue to do, right? I mean,
1: yeah. And I think- I think that's, I think that's right. I I think that you also though, as you get older and you have more responsibilities and you also, you you view risk differently. And if you don't, then you're just reckless. Right. Right, And so that's what it was for me was realizing at what point was I willing to say, this is a measurable calculated risk I'm taking. And Mm -hmm. I, and I, and I feel like I know there's still risk, but I feel like I can um, for guard against that, or I can insure against that, or I can, um, you know, over time work through it versus just like, I have no control of the outcome anymore at this point. Right. And, and that's
0: going at it. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: that's, and that's the thing is, is you're also dealing with people and, you know, you know, we're all broken, fallen human beings trying (laughs) to figure our life out right at different points (laughs) and different ages. And so, you you add that element into the ingredients of yeah you have this whole thing you think you've worked out oh but then I'm going to throw this person in there who's just going to mm. blow the whole thing up and that's the part that for me this year was more the issue was the individ- the human beings that I was dealing with were negatively affecting the outcome of something I thought I had under control okay. and so I learned and 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 I, so I learned a lot in in that too in the selection mm. process of that so
0: yeah uh, I mean, huge takeaways already. and and again, Matt, thank you so much for sharing. It's not easy to to share the the inner thoughts or vulnerability. Uh, but I, I think that that's a, a crucially important for everybody to know that we all have that and we all think this way, it's, it's being reactive, proactive, or, or really looking at it from that standpoint, as you said, versus leadership and versus non. Um, I think there's so many different ways that we can address our lives, but you just have to keep moving forward and keep pressing if you want to go get it. Um, but I want to shift gears on a softer question, because we made it through the challenge part of this. Uh, so we made it through. But I do want to go into actually one of my favorites, which is the travel back in time question. So this one's based off of, you know, if you're a science fiction fan or anything like that, we don't have yep. time machines. But um, if you could go back in time, at any time of your life, any age range, whether it was you know 20 years ago, um, whether it was last year, or whether it was little Matt, what piece of advice would you give to your younger
1: self? You know, this is like really off topic, uh, but I golf. I mentioned I wanted to design and build golf courses, yeah. um, and this is like nothing to do with real estate, but it really is a passion of mine. I was okay. really good at golf growing up, mm-hmm. but I was not phenomenal at golf. Like I was not a phenom, you know, okay. but I, and I have a five-year-old son now and, and a two-year-old daughter. And I, Love it. I, if I could go back to when I was 17 and I was considering colleges and when I was 18 and I was the captain of my high school golf team, I would have told myself, you know what, don't believe that inner self talk or what you believe to be true about how far you can go in this passion of yours. Just take the offer and go to that division two school who's recruiting you. You've never heard of and just see what happens because you only get Mm -hmm. one chance in your life to play a college sport. Right. And instead I said, you know what? I applied to Pepperdine university, Mm -hmm. amazing golf team. I applied to Colorado state university who at the time had an amazing golf team. And I got into both colleges. I couldn't afford to go to Pepperdine. So I went to CSU and I said, you know what? I'm not good enough to do that. I don't, you know, I just, mm-hmm. there's only, you know, 150 golfers at any given time that are on the PGA tour. You're never, you, you're not going to ever do that. So don't even mm-hmm. bother. And I went to CSU and that was kind of the end of pursuing golf. Wow. And I still love it. And I play golf all the time. Um, but I kind of go back and I'm like, that's really the only thing in my life I, I regret okay. as far as like a choice that affected in a potential outcome in my life. Wow. And so, um, you know, and then you, but then you start saying that and you say, well, if I didn't go to CSU, I wouldn't have met my wife and I didn't meet my wife, I wouldn't have my kids. And so it's like, everything happens maybe for a reason, whatever. Sure. But I do think that if I'm not ever, I'm going to always be the father that tells my kids, whatever it is they want to do, I don't care what it is that they let that they're passionate about. Just go mm-hmm. pursue that passion until you're not passionate about it anymore.
0: Right. I think that that's, that's to me is the big takeaway into it. And I love that question because it's reflection on to, you know, ourselves and our past and whatnot. And yes, we can't go back and change that. And I agree with you. Everything happens for a reason because the, the alignment of that decision led to where you're at to today. So it's not necessarily sure. changing it. However, your point to that is pursuing that because at the end of the day, when you're in your eighties, nineties plus, and you're thinking about your life, um, everybody that I've talked to that's in that situation or had conversations with individuals that way, they, they don't think about, I wish I did another transaction. I wish I did another deal. It's, they're regretting the things that they didn't try. They're regretting the things that yep. they didn't stick their neck out for, uh, more so than the things that they did. Uh, so to me, wh- whether that's a sport or anything along the lines of passion, but that has to do with business, right? Anything yep. that you want to go, you got a shot. Take it because that shot isn't always going to be there. Uh, and I, sure. I love that mentality. It's not just to be a rah-rah, you know, let's everybody be entrepreneurs and, you know, quit your nine to five and do all these things. But if you have that passion and it's there and you have an opportunity, man, you, you got to go for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, th- and that's the thing I think you realize as you're older and you look back is like, unless you invent Facebook or whatever, like the sure. most, most people have an idea and they grind it out for a long time and they have mm-hmm. a lot, of, not that Facebook didn't grind it out, but I mean like sure. Some, not everybody hit, not everybody, very few people are going to hit a home run and invent the Amazon. Right. right? And, and you know, or whatever. So, uh, but I was, I was listening to a business radio station um, the other day, driving into work and the guy was interviewing the founder of GORUCK, oh. which is like a, Military based or military inspired like workout training thing where they basically do these runs and they carry the same amount of weight that I think like uh, people in basic training do. I think is what wow, the cool. principle and, and I think money gets donated to um, military families and stuff like that. But he invented a he invented this uh, concept and then he basically invented this uh, turned it into a clothing line and then he turned it into a go ruck culture and he mm-hmm. does 20 million a year in revenue. Wow on this one concept that he had a passion about and he could have just is like, how many things have I thought of in my life where I'm like, man, that'd be really cool. And I was like, eh, <laughs> you know, but, and not but, to say that every single one of those was going to be a 20 million dollar idea, No, but the majority of us have a really good idea or something that we're passionate about that we would love to do. And we would never do it because we're just like, eh, the odds are too high or we don't for my case with golf. Right. I didn't have I didn't have enough knowledge and information to know what the reality was I was basing uh, it on my perception of if I'm not going to be Tiger Woods don't bother hmm. but the majority of people on the PGA tour have grinded it out through the minor tours and have made their way through not Arizona State University or Stanford University and played for a college you've never heard of but made their way through and had just had the right coach at the right time who took their golf game to the next level to where they finally were able to be a professional golfer. And so, you know, I think that's what it comes down to is, is, is having the right amount of knowledge when you're looking at doing something too, so that you're not just relying on, yeah, it's not going to happen for me.
0: Uh, I love that. Huge takeaways. I know there's so many people that are literally fired up about that thought process. And they're going to look at their lives a little bit differently because you said that, Matt. And um, I love that advice, not just for young Matt, but everybody who's watching or listening, myself included. This is great. Um, I do want to shift gears to this one. And this is actually another crowd pleaser for this particular series because everybody wants to know what the Titans are doing or have done to feed their minds, right? So I always lead into it with books you're reading or have read podcasts you're listening to, influencers or coaches on social media. Matt, how are you feeding your mind?
1: So one of the best books I've read lately is a book called Grit by Angela Angela Duckworth. And it speaks to a lot of the stuff we've talked about today with the idea that everybody has a certain level of grit and Angela calls it the grit scale. And basically what it is, is it determines your, it takes your natural ability of something based on your uh, time you're willing to do the task. Wow. So, uh, if you and I go out and want, let's say, Hey, we we're, we wanted to go swim a mile. Okay. Um, and we wanted to be able to do that, you know, let's say by the end of the year okay, and none of, neither of us had swam since we were in junior high or whatever. <laughs> we both, we both dive in the pool. Well, yeah. we, at that moment already have different levels of ability. Mm-hmm. Maybe you were on swim team in junior high and I wasn't. So you already have techniques that I don't know. So we get in the pool and on day one, day zero, you're already 25, 30% more efficient and effective than I am. Hmm. But my level of grit is higher than yours when it comes to swimming. Uh And so by week two, now you haven't gotten much better, although you've improved, but I've said, you know what, I'm willing to do this until I do it. Gosh, darn it. And so I stay on task. And by the end of the month, I end up beating you even though your natural ability was better than mine. So that affects. A lot of things in your life, if you mm-hmm. think about it, and so, and that also affects people's success or failure at things. Maybe it was, may, maybe you gave up on real estate one month too soon before yeah. you finally had that breakthrough. I mean, when we coach new agents, that's the biggest—that's the biggest thing I think that new agents think about the real estate profession is that there's something these top producers are doing that they're not telling me because if they because yeah. they think that if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. But what? But they think that there's some secret sauce that they're not doing. And really what it is for the most part is that that mega agent has been doing things consistently over time and has just have a, had a higher level of grit or time right. on task to build up enough momentum so that there's a wake consistent wake created so that there's a business to build, right? Mm-hmm. And most people are like, and the other thing about that is they surround themselves with self-fulfilling people. They don't go hang, you know, if, if I'm a brand new agent, you know, best advice I can give to a brand new agent is go hang out with top producers. Yeah. Well said. Because you think like they think and then you do like they do. It starts with how you think first, mm-hmm. not with do. Right. Right. Um, and so, but the problem is they go surround themselves with all the other brand new agents in the bullpen who aren't doing anything. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is the worst industry ever. And <laughs> real estate's hard. And you know, <laughs> Zillow's definitely going to take over the world. And oh. why are we even bothering? And, oh, by the way, you know, I know Target's hiring. Oh, they are? Yeah, I could, you know. And so it just becomes a self-fulfilling thing. and It's a, it's a mm-hmm. mindset issue. Right. And so grit, the book Grit speaks a lot into that. And then it helps you kind of think about, well, yeah. And, and honestly, some things, you know, real estate just isn't right for everybody. So it's okay, to, it's okay to self-evaluate yourself out of the industry as well. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think if you take the 10 people, you know, National Association of Realtors says that for every 10 people that get into real estate, after the second year, only one of them is left. Yeah, sure. And I think that of those ten, of the nine that failed, right, probably five of them shouldn't even have been in the real estate industry in the first place. That's fair. It's just it's just too easy to get your real estate license. Right. Right. And so and I think that these other four that didn't make it probably weren't in the right environment with the right mindset to be successful. And mm-hmm. other and this person that was successful was gonna be successful anyway. Right. Sure. You know, it wouldn't you could have it wouldn't have mattered what brokerage model or what brand you put them under or what challenge you put in front of them, they just were going to make it happen. And they did. And that Mm -hmm. person becomes the mega agent. And these four probably could have been if they just were in the right environment. Um, Um,
0: I love that. And going through the the whole process of that one book that you mentioned, and you know, going through, I, a few things popped into my mind, and hopefully everybody's resonating out there too. When you're talking about grit, um, you know, I always look at it for work, right? Grit, work, putting the time yeah. in, really going through. So um, there's a the book that I really enjoy. Um, you know, talent is overrated. And when you're looking at it from that standpoint, hard work is going to beat talent nine times out of 10 because Absolutely. you're just going to outwork your competitor and you might have a natural advantage, but at the end of the day, you got to put the time in. So I'm a firm believer in what you just said there. And I know so many other people are, uh, something that popped into my head as you were talking about just when you gave up, you were just about to get there. There's that, uh, analogy of that visual where there's um, two prospectors and they're essentially digging for diamonds or gold. And the visual is there's two guys and, you know, one guy's chipping away at this side and you can literally see there's just a mound of diamonds or gold here and he's yeah. just about to get there. And the other guy on the left-hand side, he finds this little nugget or diamond. The guy drops it and goes over to the other guy and gives up. He was right there. Mound. Yeah. So to me, that that's so true with everything that you're saying. And so many people just just give up in that process. But going back to your original comment is just surrounding yourself with people who think where you want to be and 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 emulate and learn from and try to give as much as they're giving to you i mean everything you're saying matt is 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 true gold or diamonds no pun intended with everything that was going Hmm. on so didn't mean to interrupt you but that that to me just really stood out
1: no totally and i mean and everything that i've said has been things that things i've either experienced but mostly things that i've learned right Hmm. uh because I 've surrounded myself with those people, and so the next thing I would say is, uh, Gary Keller just launched a podcast about five months ago called think Like a CEO." Love it and He runs it He runs it with Jay Papazan. Um, Jay Papazan kind of runs the podcast, and then Gary kind of just talks about um, leadership for the most part. and one of the mm-hmm. things they just talked about on the last episode that I had listened to was um, that leader uh, don't hire talent, engage talent. Mm-hmm managers hire, leaders engage. And I thought that was an interesting concept. And what he was saying was, I can either hire you, and what that means is you're going to be here from nine to five, and you're going to serve this role, and you're going to take this widget, you're going to screw it into that thing, and then at five o'clock, you can go. And by the way, you can have lunch from 12 to one, and you can you know, have your two weeks vacation, and I'm your manager, and you're my employee, and there you go. Hmm. Leaders say, hey, listen, here's an opportunity I have, Here's what the opportunity serves in the greater role of the vision for what we're trying to accomplish. Hmm. What is it that you want out of this opportunity? If we were to get in business together, what is it that you want out of life? What are you going to do with this income that I'm going to pay you? And then how can I then be so in tune with that back to this analogy so that I can help you accomplish that? How can I be so engaged in what you want in your life so that you can help me accomplish what we want as an organization? And so I thought that was that's the kind of stuff he talks about on that podcast it's just always wow. fascinating. Love it. Very cool. Yeah.
0: You know, so you had mentioned, you know, again, when you're talking about books and, and podcasts and things like that, I love the fact that you are obviously learning from different sources, whether it's physical books, um, Audible, or you're actually listening to it on podcasts. But to me, uh, another takeaway for everybody out there, again, is constantly engaging with your peers and, and those top tier professionals and learning that way. So, obviously, being a man of your craft and and doing what you do to the level you do it at, Matt, that goes without saying. I mean, you're constantly learning, constantly growing, but. Um, just so everybody knows out there, I'm going to have links in the comments down below again, so you can follow along and feed your mind the same way that this man is, or hopefully a little bit. Uh, so Matt, I can't thank you enough. I mean, this has been full of amazing applicable takeaways for top producers from all over the industry. So hopefully everybody really, really enjoys this content, but I want to wrap everything up with a final question. Yeah. And this ends up being a quote or mantra that sums you up as a man, as a professional, What's that look like for Matt Lee? Uh,
1: I, you know, I definitely don't have some really well eloquent little like life life mission statement, but I would like uh you know, at the end of my days, if someone looks back at my life i would I would hope that it would be auth you know it would be authenticity and integrity, because hmm. to me, authenticity doesn't speak to perfection, authenticity speaks to, hey, you know he was what he was but that but that is what he was like you knew it and yes he screwed up and he was imperfect um and but he did what was right in all situations to the best of the knowledge that he had at the time wow. and that's something that like when i when i speak to agents about being a part of our companies or when i speak to our agents that are part of our companies or when i get a phone call uh about some deal blowing up we always have a conversation about integrity and mm-hmm. and that's the problem with part of the reputation of this industry, I think, is that there's a lack of integrity and I, Mm -hmm. or perceived integrity, I would say not a lack of integrity in the industry, but the, from the outsider's perspective, they think real estate agents are, you know, disingenuous, right. For the money. And that's not true. Every real estate agent, that's not been my experience. Real estate agents that I know are in it because they want to, they see the real estate industry as a path to provide for their families and lifestyle, whatever it is that they want to do. I think the problem is, There's a lack of knowledge in this industry. And I think Mm -hmm. we focus on teaching people the wrong things. And so they get into, they make mistakes because they just didn't know what they didn't know. Right. You're not, you know. And so when you make a mistake, be authentic and own it. And then Mm -hmm. be, and then have integrity to do what's right. And so I think that's really, when I think about wanting to be defined by something, it's authenticity and integrity.
0: Well, Matt, I would agree with that statement, 100% authenticity, and integrity, you exude, my friend, and, and it speaks volumes, obviously, about your reputation. Um, it's impeccable. And and again, I'm just honored to to have you and share your story with everybody out there. So, uh, Matt, you are an official real estate titan, my friend. So thank you so <laughs> much. Seriously. Um, and everybody, thank you so much as always for your time and attention, your love and support. If you like what we're doing here at the Real Estate Titans, please don't forget to like our Facebook page, check out our Instagram account, uh, YouTube as well. And if you are an audiophile and you like to listen to this content, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts live every Tuesday and Friday afternoon, a different Titan, a different location. We'll catch everybody on the next live episode of Real Estate Titans. Take care.
1: Thanks, man.